What's up, everybody? Andrew Cooper here, Fantasy Alarm, Better Sports Network. This is Alarm Fantasy Football. I know you're used to seeing Howard Bender on the show. I know you're used to seeing our good buddy, John and Pemba, in this time slot. But for the time being, those guys are steeped up in baseball, basketball. You know, it kind of is the down season a little bit for fantasy football. So what we're doing, I'm taking over this Wednesday slot and Friday. We're going to do some dynasty stuff. With this show, as you saw last week with guest David Kluge, I'm bringing some guys on, and we're going to talk about their process. We're going to talk about some very difficult players to rank. And then potentially, if we have time, we're going to look at a mock draft. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest this week, my good buddy, Matt Chester, a.k.a. the FF Jester over there uh, with JWB, the Undroppables. You wear a lot of hats, buddy. You dynasty diehards. You do a lot, man. And what I love is that you also, like myself, are willing to do a sicko, psychotic solo show every once in a while, uh, which I enjoy. I like just hearing what one person has to think at times. My Friday show now is a solo show. So, Matt, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing real well. Thanks for having me. Um, you're right. Those are some, that's a sicko job to do a, a full allotment of either 15 minutes or an hour of a solo show. Um, hated it at first. It's really fun now just because it's Best. so challenging. Um, and, you know, there's always, there's a, there's a tweet going around today. I guess it's that, that time of the off season where uh, what could you talk about for a 30 minutes straight? You know, a lot of things in the fantasy football space. You could say fantasy football as a header and then have so many subheaders under it. And, this is the wind down season for fantasy football, but it's not the wind down season for dynasty, which is what I love the most. Right. And for, for 30 minute combos, I mean, I feel like you and I overlap a lot. We could do, we could do fantasy football. We could do a little real estate, right? You know, of course uh, I, I had you up here for Boston and Providence and you definitely know your way around the party. So, yeah, thank you for that. That's uh, a very comfortable couch and a uh, cool basement, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my dog Lufa misses you, buddy. I miss her too. You That's my girlfriend. Yeah. Well, you're going to come back up for Scott Fishbowl this year? Uh, I'm actually trying to pull a Scott Fishbowl down in New Orleans, and I think it seems pretty likely because there's a big calling for it, and there's a bunch of analysts down here. There's Sigmund Bloom, there's Cooter Doodle, um, there's a you know Elvin Ryan's got some 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 buzz going around him right now in the Twitter streets. Uh, yeah. There's there's enough people to make New Orleans a really fun time for a Scott Fishbowl draft, so I'm pulling for it. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. Maybe I'll be able to make it down there. Although I kind of am a staple here in the Boston community, so I feel like. I got to be up here probably for that, but you know, we'll figure something out. Uh, anyway, here's what we're going to do today. Let's hit on some news real quick. Then I want to talk briefly about your process. We'll look at some players. And then after that, I want to pull up a mock. And the good news is you guys over at JWB got mocks going all the time, right? Like it's crazy how aggressively you guys do that, man. And it gives us a lot of content. So we're going to pull up one from JWB. Uh, but real quick on the news front, you know, Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, tell me, who do you think is going to win just outright? Forget the spread. Forget the points. Who do you, who wins this game? I would say Mahomes and his hardcore uh, elite wide receiver spread of Kadarius Tony, whoever else is over there. It's disgusting, but the Magic Man always gets it done. Um, his his record in the last six years is ridiculous. I think they've made the AFC Championships six years straight. Is that right? Yeah. And the Super Bowl, like it's it's uh these are these are Brady numbers condensed as far as postseason with Pat Mahomes, and you can bet against everything else, but don't bet against that dude. Seriously, that's where I'm at too. I'm taking I'm taking Mahomes here, and you know I I think that the 49ers have the better team, but at the end of the day, there's a reason the quarterback always gets the MVP. They always get the Super Bowl MVP. So I'm with you on that one. Uh, as for other news, Arthur Smith hired as the offensive coordinator of the Steelers. That's the big one, man. Uh, I know it's easy to make jokes and. And dog them but i mean is there any bright side here or is it really do you really just believe that's bad 
it's bad move <laughs> catching a falling knife kind of by the steel. I think there are two things to look at here. One is uh, I, I almost, you know, you had me uh, give you a buy or a target for each position. And I almost put Deontay Johnson up there because his reception perception for, uh, route tree is, is phenomenal. It's always been phenomenal. He's just been really, really unfortunate to not have gotten production from it. Now he was the, the most touchdown scoring stealer this last year, which is a lot better from his zero touchdowns the year before. But the thing is, if he's not there, if he's anywhere else, he'll probably do a lot better. And I, I like the player. I hate the spot he's in. I hate the spot that he's been in for the last two years. I hate his, uh, I love his value if you're trying to acquire. Right. But the other thing that I like about Arthur Smith going to Pittsburgh is I think that he and George Pickens might get into a fist fight on the field. And that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be great for us, right? I mean, so Thing. Once you're part of the media, like uh, the more drama, the better. Like I love our Arthur Smith, the Steelers. Great. Gives us something to talk about. Right. And that dude, I think he's, is he 41 years old, Arthur Smith? Cause he looks 60. Yeah. That's, that was weird finding that out. Wasn't it? It's very interesting. His whole thing, because like he got his first job directly out of college with the uh, Washington, right at the time, the Redskins. And then you realize that, you know, it's like you look at the jump from grad student, like college assistant straight to the NFL. And you're like, what the heck happened here? Then you realize that his dad owns FedEx and his dad's a billionaire and the commanders play at FedEx field. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, you know what? That door was about as open as it could have been for him to slide. in. Wow. There. Yeah, I didn't, take... I didn't realize that FedEx field. That's crazy. That's the name of the field they play at. Yeah. So that, I mean, Again, you you can't necessarily dog him for that. He did work his way up from there to the level where he's been a high-end offensive coordinator and a head coach. But just, you know, some people in terms of the opportunities they get, you have to uh, you have to put two and two together on that one. Uh, more news here. Uh, again, uh, great news if you're a Lions fan. And that's the beautiful thing about guys staying is that even if you were rooting for a guy like Ben Johnson uh, to come be your head coach or Bobby Sloat come be your head coach, he was never actually your head coach, so you can't be too disappointed, right? So feels really good when those guys stay. Ben Johnson agreed to stay with the Lions. Bobby Slowick actually got more money to stay with the Texans at least one more year. Their contract next year, they'll be available again if they want to go do that. But I kind of like that. I, I kind of want to see these guys win and then go somewhere. So I don't know. Uh, what do you think about the uh, Ben Johnson Lions, Bobby Slowick Texans? I love it. <clears throat> First of all. The Lions, uh, I was I was really scared for all my Laporta shares and all the ARSB shares that I don't have, that I wish I did. Right. But their offense is so good and it's so condensed and it's so high-powered, uh, you really don't want to see that fall apart. And to get their offensive coordinator back is such a big boon. You know, the uh, who else is going back? Bobby Slowick, that's, that's really exciting. Right. It's about building a culture. And when your offensive coordinator doesn't want to leave, that's, that's so heartwarming and inspiring right. uh not just for fantasy football but for the culture you know after the after week 17 ends and there's no more fantasy football and you get to just watch football as a as a pure sport like we did as children like you just you love to see that and ben ben johnson and dan campbell it's it's just a pleasure to have them right. in detroit 
And Brad Holmes, man, like the GM, like they treat him like one of the guys, which is so cool. Cause sometimes you picture the GM being like this guy in like a suit, like looking down from the, you know, the rafters being like, oh, you know, like getting ready to, to, to squash these guys and trying to like stay disconnected from these guys. But you see Brad, John, Brad Holmes in the locker room, you know, they're giving him game balls and stuff saying this couldn't have happened without him. So I love that. Uh, they're not scared. They, I'm not scared of him being treated like, like the Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. Like he's not that type of dude, you know, he is in the trench. That's fun. There are those dudes out there. Bill Bill Belichick is, somehow manages to be both dudes, where he's the coach and the GM, and he's willing to cut you or bench you at any moment, right? But I think like, that's more know. out of fear, as far as the players loving him. I think that's more out of fear than a than a successful track record as a GM. Right. Yeah. No. For sure. Um, another one that that you didn't mention that I'd like to is is Mark is Mike McCarthy going to return? Um, what's what's going on? What's going on with the Cowboys? Yeah. How's their coaching staff? I think uh, I think Mike McCarthy is going to return. Uh, the most recent news that I heard, the most ru- most recent rumor I heard, was actually about Dak Prescott. Uh, and you know, I kind of wanted to talk about Dak Prescott coming up in a little bit, but rumor is that Jerry Jones, uh, at this stage, has been saying a lot of things outwardly about how he likes Dak and nothing's going to change, but he also has been kind of, he's, he hasn't given Dak an extension and it's kind of become public that he's refused to give Dak an extension at this stage. So, you know, as much as he's saying, Oh yeah, we love it the way it is. And it's going to be like that again. And they think they can win with this team. He's not committing long-term to Dak. That's interesting. I wonder how long that drama is going to play out there because I don't want to give any spoilers, but uh, there's a lot that you can do as far as gaining value in in falling perception. Yeah, in absolutely. Dallas right now. Well, well, why don't we why don't we get into why don't we get into the meat and potatoes here? Forget the news. There's no news right now. We're all just waiting for the Super Bowl. Starting drama on Twitter. That's what's going on here. Chat. What's happening, guys? Thanks, Ani Coop, Mile High, Luke popping in. Anyone hanging out? Feel free to throw questions in too. We're doing this live for a reason, so that if you have questions. Dynasty, whatever, uh, free agency, who's going where, who's doing what. Coop, you want to talk about your Rams, get them in there. Uh, we, you know, we're down for whatever. But uh, what I've been doing on this show uh, this offseason is just kind of asking for a tip, right? Because the people I have on play a lot of Dynasty. They have a lot of tricks and things they've learned to help them get an advantage, obviously. So for you, what's something that gives you an advantage in your mind in your dynasty leagues that you can share with our our guests and they can implement it not a particular player or anything like that but you know ways that you trade guys that you avoid guys that you target things that you do you know how to use the fab anything anything can you give us something Matt? uh i don't know how much advice i can give on this but i can tell you my personal play style that has treated me very well over the last few years is you mentioned a few things uh, avoiding falling lot fa- falling knives. Um, I like to avoid landmines. All right. Across about, uh, close to 20 dynasty leagues that I'm in. And I don't think I'm going to be joining anymore. So- something like that. I think it's around 17 and I don't think I'm going to be joining anymore, but when you play that style, you have to play more of a portfolio, uh, landscape approach. And so I, I don't like to have too much of an exposure to any given player even the really good players, I'll try to max out around 25, 30%. I think about around 25, 30% of Mahomes, CJ Stroud, Laporta, um, you know, a few of these other guys that I don't love as much, but I do love Marquise Browns, DeAndre Swifts. Um, don't like to go any higher than that, but I have zero Quentin Johnston. 
I've got one out of about 20 leagues of Bryce Young because he fell to 106 in the rookie draft last year. And my main method of playing is just to avoid landmines. And if you can just stay safe from those expensive pitfalls, you're going to do really well just as an overall playing method. Right. And I'll tell you what, the the important thing with the diversifying when you're in a lot of leagues is that even if it's Justin Jefferson, you saw it this year, Justin Jefferson got hurt, right? Like that stuff is out of our control. Christian McCaffrey's gotten hurt in the past. If you have the same guys on 100% of your teams and you're really counting on them, you could end up losing a lot of money this year, right? You, your whole buy your, your whole buy-in gets wiped clean. And that's not just true for Dynasty, but it's also true, especially for best ball, right? Now, deeper down, your uh you know deeper down your uh like in the lower end players that's when i'll have higher exposures exactly right? like, so because you can't I, get hurt as bad that way i work on the i work with the undroppables too and i'll just mention jacks falcone for a second um he has about 50 percent of puka nakua and he also just coincidentally probably probably not all the same teams but he he won close to 50 percent of his leagues right. this year and you're not going to do that by getting um you know, by paying up for Josh Allen's across all your leagues, but you will get there by spending your 15th round startup pick on Puka Nakua and lucking out there in a lot of places. You know, I've, I've got about 25% Puka Nakua. I've got about 25% tank Dell. Those things are big giant hits more so than, than the Addison's. Um, even if they performed the same, one of them is basically free. And one of them is somebody that you can trade for a first and a half. You know, right. uh, two, two, two firsts and two seconds swapped if you give somebody Jordan Addison. And if you keep doing that and don't tie yourself to players, you'll continue growing value. And that's what the, the game really is. You know, it's a, it's a game of luck when it comes down to the points per week, but it's not a game of luck when it comes to growing the value in your teams. Right, exactly. And uh, Ani Coop, big fan of that. She's a Rams fan and she loves Puka. Uh, you got enough, besides Puka, I know you're in. Uh, who's another rookie that impressed you this year that, uh, that you potentially are looking to acquire? Hmm. Can we cut into the position of values? Because uh, I think a sneaky, easy one to acquire right now that you can get probably for below his KTC value is Jake Ferguson. Now, as the tight end guy, I think you might disagree with that for a few reasons that we'll get into later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but, well, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah, I, I do want to, uh, real quick, let's let's do this one last question from the chat here. Uh, Mile High Luke, uh, friend of the show, he's around all the time. Single QB Dynasty FFPC team, Mahomes, Gibbs, and Puka are the core of his team so solid young core right gotta feel good about yes. that he's also got the 103 106 23 204 does it make sense to move to two to ensure he gets neighbors so uh you know the top two guys this year in single qb marvin harrison jr and malik neighbors what, what would you pay on top of the 103 to get up there obviously you're not going to give up mahomes gibbs or puka but i mean does it make sense to give up the two, three or the two, four to move up there or, or sure. all the picks. Absolutely. It would make sense to give up one of those seconds to move up to one Oh three, because uh, in a single QB league compared to a super flex league, that's probably what the two Oh seven, two Oh eight, two Oh nine, something like that. Those are all dart throws. You might end up with Ty J Spears, but you also might end up with tank Bigsby and you don't know, but the difference between getting a rookie Brock Bowers and getting a rookie Malik neighbors, you know how those rookie tight ends go. It's very shaky and sketchy yeah. and as much as i love them i don't want to wait six six years for an ever evan ingram style breakout 
right? right. I don't want to wait five years for a DJ Najoku style breakout. And as the tight end guy, I want to hear you speak more on that. I, so I, I did, I've been, I've been kind of itching for a trade recently and I got one sent to my inbox yesterday uh, in a super flex league. Somebody sent me their one Oh six. Uh, and I talked to them about, about this afterwards, but they sent me their one Oh six for my Kyle Pitts straight up. Uh, that was an easy take because I have, uh, I had about 25% Kyle Pitts and I wanted to lower that a little bit. I am not very excited about Brock Bowers, but if I need to, I'll get Brock Bowers at 106. Um, but on the other hand, I, I just don't love that maneuver. Right. So for me, here's, and I actually have a full write up on this. If you Google Andrew Cooper, dynasty rookie tight end concept, it comes up. It's something that comes up there. And what I did is I went through historically to figure out why rookie tight ends don't hit for the most part and broke the full thing down. And it's because it's a, it's a two pronged position, but the easiest way for me to explain it quickly is picture a race, right? With hurdles, you're doing a hurdle race, right? For wide receivers, any given team is going to have two or three wide receivers on the field for the vast majority of snaps. If a team runs a fullback like the 49ers or Dolphins, then maybe it's two. But for the most part, these three guys are out there. So all you have to do is be one of the three best wide receivers on the team, and you're going to get an opportunity, and you're going to play the vast majority of the snaps where you can get the targets and you can earn the targets, right? So that race for the wide receivers has one hurdle, right? The hurdle is getting on the field. The race for a rookie tight end, the very first hurdle is that you need to be the best pass-catching tight end on the team. So if a Cole Komet gets drafted into a room that has a Jimmy Graham in it, the thing is this. Even if Cole Komet's just as good as Jimmy Graham at catching passes, Jimmy Graham doesn't block well. So he's going to get that passing role, that pass-catching role, and Cole Komet's going to get stuck with the inside role. And you saw it with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz in Philadelphia. At a certain point... Dallas Goddard was just as good, if not better, at catching passes than Zach Ertz, but he was one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, so he got stuck in the inline rule. So that's the first hurdle. you got to get over that hurdle first. After that, we know, based on statistics, that the vast majority of difference-making tight ends are top two targets on the team. So if you look around and that team has two wide receivers that are good at catching passes, that tight end has another hurdle that they can't get over, right? And then after that, you need to factor in all the other things that matter, the the scheme, the, uh, you know, do they use the tight end to block, right? That's another hurdle. Is the quarterback good? That's another hurdle. That's why these rookie tight ends, in a lot of cases, the stars need to align perfectly. And that's what people didn't understand when they they didn't like Sam Laporte, they didn't like Dalton Kincaid, is they didn't realize that the stars had aligned, that the stars did align, and they, they had the opportunity to clear all the hurdles, and they did. So uh, those two it. players that you mentioned are really interesting, uh, Laporta and Kincaid. I know you're really big on Kincaid coming into the season. Uh, I don't know how the Bills offense is going to line up come week one. I know that Stefan Diggs has a lot of uh, things to say about the team that he's on and the position that he's in in the team right now. I know Gabe Davis is a free agent. I know that they traded up in the first round last year to take Kincaid. And I wonder what you think about Kincaid going into next year as far as where he'll be in that offense. And if he will rise because he was good this year, but he started showing more on the back end. What do you think? Here's what it is, man. You're taking over this interview now, right? I'm supposed Sorry. to be interviewing you. But yeah, no, for real though, I, I, I don't mind sharing it. I'll tell you what, another article for that purpose. Uh, and as Jack Sensen points out, said congrats uh, that I, this article that I'm about to mention was actually nominated, or I'm a finalist this year for uh, the FSWA football article of the year. 
Uh, so hope, fingers crossed I win that. Last two awards I was nominated for, J.J. Zacharyson won both of them. But he's not a finalist for this award, so we're, we're safe. We're marked safe from J.J. Uh, but uh, with Dalton Kincaid, I love the player, right? I love him in Dynasty. I love his skill set. But here's the thing. Uh, and Anthony, thanks for popping in, dude. What's happening, brother? Always checking in, dude. That's my guy. I'll tell you this for Dalton Kincaid. He's not an exception to the rules. We need our guy to be a top two target on the team. So if they don't go out and replace Gabe Davis with a big name and it's Stephon Diggs number one and we can project Dalton Kincaid to be the number two pass catcher out of the slot, then we're going to love him. If they go out and they add a Mike Evans or a Michael Pittman or a T. Higgins, then we're going to be off Dalton Kincaid because – you know, if, if there's another player on the team that we project to get more targets than Dalton Kincaid, then I'm not going to draft him at ADP, and I'm not going to make exceptions for any player because the process is the process, and it's been right virtually every time. So that's the case on that. But enough about my tight end process and my stuff. I want to get your take on a couple players here. Uh, chat, again, throw it out. If you want a take on a player, throw it in the chat, and I'll find a comparable player, and we'll make Matt uh, compare two uh, very close but difficult players in Dynasty. So without further ado, First one here, I know that you're a, a fan of these Cowboys players in Dynasty. You think that – you had mentioned to me before that you think there's a discount. So uh, for as far as great debates go, tell me, who would you rather have, Dak Prescott or Tua Tagovailoa? Both. Uh, if you go to sites like Keep Keep Trade Cut or uh, you know other industry pages, those guys, very close, neck and neck on a lot of pages. So if you had to pick one, which one you got and why? I really hate that you're doing this to me because uh, Tua is probably my most. I can't hear you right now. Did you hit something? I think you're muted. Yeah. Okay. I got to go with that. Again, your audio screwed up, brother. Uh, Matt Deutsch behind the glass. You have any idea what's going on with this one? Yeah. All right. He's got to jump out and come back in. So, uh, we'll hit him up on that one. Good thing is we got a question in the chat, uh, Christian Kirk here. And again, for me, uh, with tight end, you really need guys that are, that have, have, uh, can be a top two targets on their team so they can be have top five upside unless you're in a league with multiple tight ends you really just need one right in a 10 or 12 team league if your tight end isn't top five or six it means you have a below average tight end with wide receiver we have a little more leniency right christian kirk is a guy that i'm kind of treating like tyler boyd where when this team is kind of devoid of weapons as the the Bengals were for a couple of years now he was easily capable of thousand yard seasons. Tyler Boyd had back to back thousand yard seasons. When they went out and they added Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, he went from being a full time player to being a guy that only plays in the slot, right? A part time slot guy. So when that happened and Christian Kirk uh, and Tyler Boyd started coming out of the game, that's why we've had the seasons the last couple of years where you're only getting 700, 800 yards. He's not really hitting a thousand yards anymore. So uh, if that's the case and they do go out and add multiple weapons where now Christian Kirk is a part-time player, then I would be concerned. But who are they going to add? I mean, Calvin Ridley right now is a free agent. So first of all, they got to bring Ridley back. And then they would have to bring somebody back on, on top of him for him not to be the guy. So I go through the free agents and I say, okay, they bring back Calvin Ridley. We're still in on Christian Kirk. They, they would have to bring in someone better than Kirk on top of Ridley for him to not be fantasy relevant, which to me would have to be Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Mike Evans, 
uh, or uh, the last name would maybe Marquise Brown, maybe Marquise Brown. But even then, Christian Kirk versus Marquise Brown, I've seen it before. It was fairly even. So uh, there's really not a lot of guys that they could bring in that would displace Christian Kirk. So I think Christian Kirk's about as safe as it gets, especially in full PPR. And yeah, exactly. The fill in for injury slot guy is perfect. If that's your your wide receiver four or five on your dynasty team, you you're happy about it because you know for bye weeks, for injuries, you got that guy in your back pocket and you just throw him right in there and he's so trustworthy. You know, so there you go. Uh but anyway, Matt, uh Mike Check, what do you got? Hey, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, you sound great, brother. All right. So perfect. Dak versus Tua. That's what you were getting into. Mm, okay. So Dak, where did where did Dak end up last year? I think he ended up being the QB four. Yeah, he was. He had a good season. For for that's the thing is that people look back and they they treat the Cowboys like it, the Cowboys are one of the few teams where no matter what happens, if they don't win the Super Bowl, everybody treats it like a complete disaster, right? So I mean the t- the team did well. Uh, he ended up QB three in uh right ahead of lamar jackson behind jalen hurts and josh allen so uh you know through 36 touchdowns only nine picks so he brought the picks down but again and cd lamb was awesome tony pollard was fine jake ferguson was good but at the end of the the day they turn around and they say you didn't win the super bowl so everything's a disaster but i mean you know what do you think man that's the way that it always is okay Dak got injured two years ago he did, he had a down year the year before, um, and people don't respect the uh, the fact that he ends up as QB8 or QB4 every year that he's healthy. It's very efficient. They're getting their coaching staff back this year. Uh, they're going to get CeeDee Lamb back. They're going to get Jake Ferguson back. I don't know about Brandon Cooks. He was a very viable wide receiver, too, in at least the best ball tournaments that you have i don't right. know that they're going to find a better uh wide receiver two to replace him but if they do then it's only wheels up for dax Dak again and tua has two great weapons maybe three all right he's got waddle he's got tyreek hill and he's got mike mcdaniel calling plays right. if tyreek does what he does again Tua can end up where he was again. I think it was uh, QB9 on the year. Some spike 40-point weeks. A few down weeks of like 10 points. That's not very fun as somebody who rosters more Tua than anybody else in Dynasty. Right. And they're pretty equal options. But I will prefer Dak because he has a higher ceiling, as he's shown over a few seasons. Right. And the the thing I will say for Tua is that that offense to fully be complete, like they have the the left tackle, they have the fullback, they have the two wideouts, they got the running backs. They need a tight end, right? Like from 49, the 49ers have George Kittle. That's the offense they're trying to set up. The Texans run the same offense. It's the same group of people. They went out and got Dalton Schultz, right? When you look at the free agent tight ends, there's not a lot out there, man. Dalton Schultz is a free agent, but the Texans are probably going to bring him back. And after that, we're talking about like Hunter Henry. Like the Dolphins should overpay Hunter Henry, in my opinion, if they can, because they got to get somebody. And it's like Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett. There's not a lot of two way tight ends out there, right? And they need a two way tight end. They chose Durham Smythe over Mike Kiseki for blocking purposes. So I don't know, man. And that's that's why I'm with you that I think I have Dak ahead. It's so much easier 
for them to go out and add a wide receiver too than it is for the Dolphins to go out and find a a tight end that can both block and catch passes. You know, uh, so I'm with you on that. And I'll tell you what, the the rankings for both Dak and Tua on early best balls. Uh, I go over to Underdog, right? Which Underdog actually just opened their best ball leagues. If you go over there, use promo code ALARM. They'll match 100. Oh, look at that. Matt Deutsch, we're always ready to rock with the promo code and the QR code, right uh, right, ready to go. There you go. $100 to match 100% of what you deposit up to 100 bucks, and you can get in and do these early best ball now. It's the best way to figure out sentiment on these players for this season. And if you look at it like I do and you say, oh, man, this guy's going way too high. This guy's going too low. Now you know what the sentiment is around this guy. These guys, you can go and make trades in your dynasty leagues. So I always use all the resources available to me, and that's one. Like I love playing the games. I love getting in early because you know you can take advantage of these ADPs, but also you can use that to figure out what everybody else thinks about these guys, man. And when you look at it, Dak going at QB eight after he just finished QB three feels like a value to me, especially because CD Lamb's going to be there. Uh, all these other guys are going to be there. So. Make sure go over to fantasy, uh, go over to uh, Underdog right now. Use promo code Alarm or just skew the uh, hit the QR code right on the screen. I see some people hitting it now. Get set up there now and uh, and, and get a feel for what's going on. And we're going to start doing Underdog drafts in our uh, Discord at Fantasy Alarm as well and get it rocking. So there you go, folks. But yeah, I'm with you on that, man. Let's jump over to running back. Uh, and I know that you've been a fan of this guy for a long time, uh, Mister Javante Williams. So I'm going to have you go up uh, with your guy, Javante, against another player similarly aged. Uh, very, He had a very good season this year for fantasy football purposes until he got hurt. And, uh, again, in another situation where unsure about who is the quarterback in the offense and where they're going to go, Javante Williams versus Ramondre Stevenson. Who do you got? Ooh, I love that. That's really tough. Uh, Javante Williams – or let's say Ramondre Stevenson did not have a great season. He was very disappointing until about week, what, week nine, week 10. Right. He didn't have a good, yeah. For overall, he didn't have a great, yeah, again, for, for redraft, he didn't have a great season, but for dynasty, at least he showed why he still has value. Right. Okay. For sure. Uh, you also can't really count these dynasty running backs for more than a year or two, just because it changes so much year to year. We don't really have any standout running backs coming into the draft from the from college this year. What we do have is Javante Williams, who underperformed this year compared to what we wanted from him when he came to the league. He's very good. His forced tackles missed is one of the highest in the league. He didn't overperform this year, but he also came back from a massive slew of injuries. And people are not remembering that we probably should have discounted him this entire year. Now, right. he started playing immediately, and he didn't overperform immediately. And we discount the injury discount, and we shouldn't. And this year, when he comes back, he's going to be completely healthy. Samaj P. Ryan faded towards the end of the year. I don't think Julio McLaughlin is going to be somebody that Sean Payton wants to lean on particularly. Jerry Judy's probably gone and just doesn't perform. Cortland Sutton is the apple of Russell Wilson's eye, but I don't know if if Cortland's going to be back. I don't know if he's going to have chemistry with the new quarterback. I don't think that that quarterback is going to come back. I don't know what they're going to do on offense, but I do know they have one stud, and that's going to be Javante Williams. 
So take the discount that people ignore from injury and pretend like uh, it's this time last season, but he's twice as cheap. Yeah, this time last year, like before the injury, especially on very reactionary sites like Keep Trade Cut, uh, you know, and some of the, uh, you know, the threads out there, obviously Twitter and Reddit more reactionary than we see just composite rankings. But people were ranking Javante Williams as like uh, wide as running back two, three, four in Dynasty. And now I see him down at 15, 16. I mean, if this unless you think this guy suffered uh, nerve damage or some sort of permanent knee issue, why wouldn't we kind of have him creeping back up to the levels that we thought he was at before? Right. He's not even 24 years old yet. He's squarely in the age apex for running back. So I'm with you on that. And the thing with Ramon J. Stevenson is there's so many moving parts right now with the Patriots, brand new coach, all new coordinators, brand new philosophy. We have no idea what that's going to be like, but we do know that Sean Payton and Joe Lombardi love throwing the ball to the running back. Like that's, we've seen that the sample size of that is massive, right? Like you, you live down in New Orleans. You see, you saw the time in New Orleans. We all saw Joe Lombardi both with the Saints and with the Lions and with the uh, Chargers throw the Chargers. ball to the running back a tr- trillion times. Yeah, with Austin Eckler. But people forget with the the one he was calling plays for the Lions, he threw the ball to the running backs combined 152 times. It's just because Would it, it surprised you if Javante Williams was the second most targeted player this year, next year on the team. No, not at all. I mean, uh, there's there's arguments to be made, especially if Jerry Judy. I mean, Jerry Judy's not panning out, and things have been pretty ugly. If especially if Judy's gone, I mean, who are they going to bring in? They already have Sutton, who is the split end, and all the, the for the first time like ever, all the best wide receivers are split ends in free agency. Usually, it's hard to find these big dogs. They don't they don't hit free agency, but this year we have Mike Evans and T. Higgins. Those guys all do the same job as as Cortland Sutton, right? You, the, what they need is a, the, a smaller guy that operates in space. There's not a lot of those guys becoming available. So uh, I don't know. I think I think they're going to have to lean on what they already have over there. So I'm with you on that. Javante is my guy. Uh, Especially I'm if you want a, a really cheap anchor RB. He's going in the seventh round of startups. I think he's RB 16. And KTC has ranked as an early second. I'm going to send a 201 for Javante everywhere that I have him because yeah. that might be the – core of your running back crew next year for basically nothing yeah the problem with me and 201 is that i never come in last so i have to get the 201 from somebody else you know what i'm saying oh i think you don't trade enough yeah maybe i need to trade more i need to start trading with losers so i can get those good picks all my picks are bad because i'm awesome at this but anyway uh let's move on to wide receiver uh dj moore uh is a guy that a lot of moving parts with him he's the number one wide receiver on his team and they don't even have anybody else really under contract, right? Caleb Williams potentially coming in as the uh, as a new quarterback, or maybe they stick with Justin Fields. We'll have to see. On the flip side, we have another guy very similarly aged. Uh, he is a free agent right now, and we don't know where he's going to go in T. Higgins. So hmm. if you're going to compare DJ Moore and T. Higgins, what to, this will kind of tell us to some degree what type of fantasy gamer you are as well. Because uh, very similar production from these guys, very similar upside from a week-to-week basis. They also kind of have low floors. But one guy is locked in with the team. Another guy is kind of floating around. So uh, which one would you rather have? Would you rather have DJ Moore or T. Higgins? I actually did a trade where I gave T. Higgins and Gabe Davis for DJ Moore in the 303. Very happy with that. 
I don't see a difference in age between those two. Um, DJ Moore has always underperformed and kind of ended up as the wide receiver 18 pretty much every year until this last year. This last year, he was the wide receiver six, which is crazy for somebody who ended the year performing as the wide, uh, as the wide receiver six for them to be valued as the wide receiver 20. He's not hitting an age cliff. He finally got a decent QB in Justin Fields, as opposed to all of his old Sam right. Darnolds and just garbage QBs. We've always wanted to see this from him. We thought we could see this from him. And his worst case scenario this year is kind of the same that it was this year where he get he's DJ Moore throwing to him and get and be, being the wide receiver six. His best scenario is getting Caleb Williams throwing to him, not right. picking up an extra wide receiver to compete with. And I don't even know if it would be that bad for it to take the defense's heat off of DJ Moore this year. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's anybody you could really add that would overtake him in terms of targets, right? I guess maybe if at one at pick one, there's maybe an argument to be made that Marvin Harrison Jr. over the long term would be a problem if they were to trade down or, or take him at one. But even then, for year one, DJ Moore is going to get more targets than the rookie, like no doubt in my mind. So uh, the only concern of like if Caleb Williams busts, then DJ Moore would officially be the the most unlucky player there's ever been in terms of quarterback. That's right? very true. Now yeah. you want to talk about T Higgins and how he's performed. He, he's had kind of the same career arc through DJ Moore's first five seasons where he's way better than the wide receiver 18, but he's never actually been the wide receiver 18. And he puts up these soul crushing goose eggs at least two or right. three times a year. And I don't know what the deal is with that, but I'm really tired of his it as a an overexposed to T to T Higgins dynasty manager. Right. My my concern for T Higgins, uh, and this was a concern I had for guy, a guy like Calvin Ridley. I have a little bit of a concern for Nico Collins, which is funny that I would say that because you know that I'm a Nico Collins guy, and I like to rub it in to in the uh, our little chat there that Nico Collins hit when everybody else hated him, but. I quietly worry that guys like T Higgins and Nico Collins, their problem is that when the number one corner is on them, they struggle. Right. And we've seen Jamar chase protect T Higgins to some degree. And now he could be signed to a team where when they face sauce Gardner or AJ Terrell or whoever, he's going to get that coverage and it could be problematic. So I am a little concerned with T Higgins that when he's treated like the alpha, he might he might have a tough time because I think that a lot of cases that's when we get the goose eggs and stuff from from Higgins. So I'm with you on that because Moore's been the guy the entire time and he's faced the top corners and he's been fine. So yeah, Anthony points it out. Not true. I didn't want to say I didn't want to steal uh, Matt Kelly the Podfather's term fake alpha. Uh, I also think it's kind of mean to say fake alpha alpha, but like, I kind of am saying it a little bit. You know, Kenny Galladay was a was a good example where it was like you know as once the situation wasn't perfect, it, it turned bad uh, really quickly. So I do worry about Tiggins. All right, last one here, and then let's take a look at the mock draft. I want to ask you, uh, and this one I'm bringing up specifically because I know you like this player, and I don't particularly like this player. So let's go with Jake Ferguson, and let's compare him to a guy. Let's see. You know what? In the chat, we've had some Cole Komet talk, and Ferguson and Komet are kind of a similar age. They're both top two targets on their team. So who would you rather have, Ferguson or Komet? 
wow, I wish you didn't do that to me. I know. Well, it's, it's, oh, they got to be at least kind of tough. They got to be at least kind of tough. Okay. Man, I don't even know how to begin this. I'll tell you this. Dallas has always featured a tight end. Now, I don't know if that's the coach. I don't know if it's the culture of the team. But Komet is probably... I expected him to be much more expensive than Ferguson. Is that not the case? No, they're very similarly ranked. They are. They're, they're virtually the same age, very similarly ranked. And Cole Komet finished tight end eight this year, and I think Jake Ferguson was tight end nine. So, like, coming off the year, they also... Just Cole Komet is with that guy that will have like a two touchdown game or like random touchdowns and he sneaks up on you to get into that spot. Whereas Ferguson kind of started hot and cooled off and then he uh, finished with a bang in the playoffs. You know, that doesn't count for fantasy, but finished his last game of the year. He finished with three touchdowns. So that's what steams yeah, him up. Yeah, so that's what steams that's him up. That's one and puts thing him that's not showing spot. up in the box score. It's not showing up in his year end is that he ended up with like a 42 point game in the playoffs. And that doesn't count towards his tight end nine, but it does. Mm. It should count towards what you think he can do. Perceived value. Yep. So that's, uh, that's what puts them in the same range here. So it, it is a tough comparison, man. And I'll tell you what, just to give my take on it. The reality is that if one of these teams adds a high end second wide receiver in, in free agency, that's going to move the needle for me enough that I would move one ahead of the other. Simple as that, right? Like Brandon Cooks had 650 yards. Darno Mooney was invisible, right? So if the one of these teams lands a Calvin Ridley and the other team doesn't, that's enough to move the needle for me on these guys. But in a vacuum right now, I think I might be with you on taking Ferguson. So I think I would this. on this one. Darno and I, you know, I'm not a Ferguson guy, but I might I know be you're not. And that's very fair because he's not an exceptional player. But at the end of the year, it comes down to points. Right. And Darnell Mooney was invisible. Brandon Cooks had 650 yards. I think that there's a lot more of a likelihood for there to be a wide receiver two coming in to supplant Cole Komet than there is to be a wide receiver coming in to supplant, right. um, to, to, to be the second pass catcher on Ferguson. Kind of again that'll get 650 yards, but that won't hurt Ferguson so much if he's just replacing Brandon Cooks and the person that they bring into Chicago is not replacing anybody, but is actually jumping up the depth chart ahead of Cole Komet. Right. And I'll tell you what, like I've, I've Brandon Cooks, like Darnell Mooney's a free agent. So it's not like they have to so go is Brandon out. Cooks. Right. So, I mean, I think both situations are kind of dicey. Honestly, I'm looking to sell both these fellas personally. And I, in dynasty, my philosophy in dynasty is I, if I'm competing now and I virtually always am, uh, I want a guy that I know is going to be, a has a very good shot to be a top five tight end because every team that makes the playoffs in dynasty is loaded. And often the difference maker is who has the good quarterback, who has a good tight end, who has the good defense. Right, because every team that makes the playoff has good running backs and wide receivers. There's plenty of them, but the holes end up being at those other spots. So I just—that's my philosophy. I might trade them, trade either one of them. But yes, Anthony points that's out fair. Dallas. Dallas tight ends do score a lot. I think you could get Cole Komet. Uh, I think you get Jake Ferguson for two hundred six. I don't think you get Cole Komet for two hundred six. So I, I might be wrong according to KTC's value. Um, but I, I feel like Ferguson is cheaper. And if I'm wrong, then I might have to reassess. Yeah. 
No, I think he is. I think he is cheaper. Komet is just, he had more hype. I think both these guys, though, I mean, the thing with Fer, the thing I don't like about Ferguson is he's very similar athletically to Dalton Schultz and Austin Hooper. I mean, the best comparable player for Dalton Schultz is Austin Hooper on player profiler. And Dalton Schultz and Austin Hooper are both faster than Jake Ferguson. So these guys need targets, right? They need targets to survive. And if something happens to those targets, then they're toast, which is what we saw with Hooper. We saw with Hunter Henry. Guys that are fast, like George Kittle, can do more with less, right? Like uh, Jake Ferguson this year had 71 receptions, and he had like 700 yards. Kyle Pitts, his rookie year, had 68 receptions, and he had over 1,000 yards because Kyle Pitts runs like a 4-4-8, and Jake Ferguson runs a 4-8-1. That's the difference, right? So uh, in Dynasty, I target fast guys. That's how I roll. Anyway, all right, so that's enough. We'll put you on the high seat. One more thing about that. Okay. Um, it's yards after catch that you're talking about. Kittle will always clear all these guys. Um, but in a tight end premium league, it favors catch and fall tight ends more than it does in other formats. So tight end yeah. premium might be the decider on that. In tight end premium, yeah. I mean, honestly, straight up in, in PPR versus half PPR versus standard. I rank Kittle a lot higher in half PPR and standard than I do in full PPR. In full PPR, I just care about targets. In in half PPR, I don't play standard, but if you were to play standard, talent is actually more, the talent at the tight end position means more because you need guys that can that can create and do more with less. So very interesting dichotomy. But anyway, why don't we pull up, uh, we didn't have time last week, so I wanted to do it. Uh, let's pull up draft. And this is uh, courtesy of your guys over at JW, JWB. I love the whole crew over there. Uh, thanks, Matt, for pulling it up. Uh, folks, uh, if you uh, for those listening, I know we're going to post this uh, for listeners. Uh, I'm just going to go through and I'll, I'll give you an idea of of who goes where. Uh, so, you know, you don't necessarily have to be zooming in or whatever. Uh, but here's the first round. Matt, let me let me know if there's anything that jumps out to you as a pick you really like the value on or don't love the value on. So this is a dynasty startup super flex, meaning you can start two quarterbacks and tight end premium, meaning that, you know, uh, tight ends get one and a half points per reception. Everyone else gets one. This is the first round. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, first four picks. Justin Jefferson goes fifth, right? Then we're back into quarterbacks because it's super flex. Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Then you see Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb. And then the first round is rounded out with Trevor Lawrence or Amon Ross St. Brown. Now, of those guys, is there anything where you look at it and you say, no way would I have made this pick? Or do you look? Is there anything you look at and say, "Wow, I can't believe this guy fell to pick eleven or twelve. That's a great value." The only thing that stands out is that Trevor Lawrence is holding his pre-draft value. Right. He's actually gone up since uh, he came out in the first year. I think I got him in the early second. I don't know how he's gained value since then. Yeah, that yeah. I'm pretty happy with the first round. After it was a rough year, and he might lose Calvin Ridley. So yeah, that is an interesting one, uh, especially because there are some mobile quarterbacks available in the next round. You see Trevor Lawrence go. I might have considered an Anthony Richardson or a Kyler Murray ahead. Uh, Justin Fields also going in the second round is wild, considering this mock draft was done like two weeks ago. Like that pick to me in the second round, I look at that and I'm like, why? What's the what's the plan? Who do you think Justin Fields? What team is Justin Fields going to be the quarterback for this year? I don't know. It's a, it gives Trey Lance last off season that, yeah, that's, that is, yeah. The people picking Trey Lance at that spot after we knew that there was a chance, you know, that Purdy was going to take the job. I mean, there's, 
Justin Fields is probably going to end up lost in the sauce. So I don't love that pick there. Uh, looking through the next few rounds, you know, the second, third, or fourth round, uh, you know, the first tight end coming off the board is Travis Kelsey. Then you get Sam Laporta and, and Don Kincaid. Uh, you see a lot of running backs going in this range, no running backs in the first round. Is there anything I, on this board where you look at it and you say, that's a pick I would make in the in the second, third, or fourth year. This is my philosophy. This is this is a pick that I love at this value, and this is how I build my teams. Absolutely, and we talked about this. Dak Prescott at four at four twelve is bananas. You know, for somebody that can be the top eight, kind of as a floor for a healthy season, it doesn't make sense that in a superflex league, he's going uh, a full round and a half behind Deshaun Watson, um, two and a half rounds behind Justin Fields. It just doesn't make sense. Why is Dak Prescott so undervalued? He's getting the same coaching staff back. He's getting CeeDee Lamb back. He's getting your boy, Jake Ferguson, back. Why is Dak Prescott going at almost the 50th pick? Yeah, no quarters really smoked everybody that was waiting on quarterback by taking Dak and Tua at the swing there when he already had Josh Allen, right? Because you look Love at it. a guy like Praz there, he was sitting there when he took Saquon Barkley, he could have taken those quarterbacks and he was probably looking at these other teams and saying, oh, they're not going to take these quarterbacks, so I'll get somebody on the way back. Not the case. Not so fast, my friend. So he kind of got rug pulled there. And for those looking at this draft and saying, what the heck is with the kickers? Is this some kicker league? Those are placeholders for draft picks. So what they're doing is saying, uh, like, see Justin Tucker go right after Amon Ross St. Brown. That's a person saying, I'm taking the 101 rookie pick, and that's basically Marvin Harrison. The names aren't in the system yet, so that's what those are. So don't worry about the kicker picks. And this uh, puts Dak Prescott and Tua as post-106 rookie picks, which is bananas crazy. to me. Yeah, there's so that is a mistake that I see made so many times because you have to ask yourself, if these players were available in the rookie draft, where would they get drafted? In a super flex, in a super flex draft, if Dak Prescott was available in the draft, I would probably take him at 101. Right? Wow. Like, I might. I mean, what like you who are you gonna take? Marvin Harrison? I mean, we yes. don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I probably might probably take Marvin Harrison. But you have to and consider Caleb, like, but after that. I might, I mean, the thing is, you don't know for sure what Caleb Williams is going to be. Like these guys, Tua, like these proven commodities, right? Like Tyreek Hill and like Chris Alave, Jameer Gibbs, this person is putting the 102 ahead of Brees Hall. I just, in my opinion, people just forget that the hit rate on first round picks, even in Dynasty, is 50%, right? And if you want to take the 101 and say, okay, the hit rate is maybe 60 or 70. There are so many times where there are guys we sit here and say, this guy's can't miss, and then they miss. Not one person, not one person was saying Corey Davis is going to suck. Not one person was really even saying Nikhil Harry was going to be bad. But these guys turned out to be players that you couldn't even use at all, right? So, like, you have to be very careful no matter what. I mean, I know we're saying Marvin Harrison can't miss. His dad was in the league, and there's a possibility that, you know, it doesn't work out. You know, I, I think he's as good, safe as it gets, but you have to acknowledge the possibility that that it might not work out. So, you know, in the back of my mind, a lot of times, and I'm just kind of very conservative, where I just want the players that I know are already good in the NFL. So 
but enough on that. Uh, is there any pick on here? So you like the Dak Prescott one. Any pick on here that when you go through that you look at it and you're like, this is a pick I wouldn't have made. Ooh, Austin Eckler at 4.2 seems kind of crazy. We don't know where he's going to be next year. We saw him fall off this year in a dynasty league. That makes no sense Uh, above, especially ETN. ETN, who finished, I think, as running back two or three this year, is basically his second year in the league uh, because of injury. I don't know why ETN is being so undervalued basically across all platforms uh, through any podcast that you listen to. He's kind of the running back eight, and that doesn't make any sense to me can you explain austin eckler above etn or no i can't do it he's he's almost you know he's almost 30 years old he's a free agent so he could end up anywhere and there's really not a lot of like amazing landing spots he needs to land somewhere where they're going to throw him a ton of passes he's never had a thousand yard rushing season like in his career so i don't know man i don't love that one and there's another one on here like why would eckler first of all why would eckler go at four if alvin kamara is going in the like ninth round like, what exactly right. is the difference between those players? And the other thing with Alvin Kamara, as I'll point out, is that why would this team draft Alvin Kamara? Like, I know they're getting crazy value, but that team is taking all these draft picks and young players at the end there, and then they take Alvin Kamara? Like, that's got to be trade bait, right? What are you going to do? With- I don't know. I think it might be a good way to build a dynasty team is just to build every other position. And because running back is so – what's the word for it? temporary fragile fragile Fragile. yeah but the thing is like it might be a good way to if you're if your entire team is built on value and production in every other position then Kamara is a very fragile rb1 is is kind of a league winning effort why but this team look at the players they've they, they they took all they took all draft picks they don't even have players really so I like, I'm like, when, it, when are they going to win? The, I mean, maybe they think they're going to draft a ton of rookies and win this year and win every year. But I just feel like if you're going to take one, two, three, four, five draft picks in your first, you know, seven picks, then you're not going to take a 29 year old running back. You should just should take a younger running back. That's my that's my thought process. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they will. Maybe the plan is to trade out to look around and look at the teams that are competing in midseason and say, hey, you know what? I don't need Alvin Kamara. I have all young guys and, and make a trade. So that's – it's an interesting move. Jack – I'm with Jack. Team 12 not winning until 2028. With that many rookies, I mean, that's probably the direction they're going. So, right? That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I think uh, the time flew by on this one, man. It's already yeah, 55. We got to get out of here because we got the better sports betting show coming up next. Why don't you take a minute, Matt, tell everybody what you got going on, uh, what to look for from you. Uh, are you going to try and make it over the combine and draft? I know you love getting involved with that kind of stuff. I am. I Unfortunately, I'm finishing some real life work and I wasn't able to make the senior bowl. Very bummed about not being on the field right now. Right. Uh, so I'm going to try and make everything else that I can. As far as everything else, uh, my advice is to reach back to the beginning of the episode and just say, avoid the landmines in startups, avoid the landmines in trading. Don't be the smartest guy in the room. Let your teammates outsmart you. When you make trades with them, let them target and be smarter and you just take the VIG, be the house. The house always wins. So be be like water. and. Um, Enjoy your leagues. Be nice to your people. I love that. Tell them you love them. 
that advice right now. Yeah. Shout out Ani Coop. Shout out Toronto Dave, Jack, everybody that hung out with us today, Anthony. Uh that that advice is so crucial. Just, you know what, enjoy fantasy football. It's fun. You know, of course you want to get value out of it, but you know what? Have some fun. Have a little kind-hearted trash talk if you want, but treat everybody with, with respect, man. So thank you for coming on. Everybody out there, go follow him at FFMadJester on Twitter. You're 11 followers away from 2,000, which is a major milestone. I think we should get that going today. Wouldn't that be nice? So everybody, go give him a follow on there. Uh, he's a great dude, funny guy, man, and you'll see him around, especially this time of year, uh, with what they do with the Dino Diehards, JWB. Great content and great insights on these incoming guys. So thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt Deutsch behind the glass. Thank you, chat, for hanging out. We will be back. I'll be back with uh, a show on Friday with Coop's a fantasy football fiasco. Also, I'm filling in on Sirius XM all week from five to seven. So tonight, tomorrow, Friday, I think maybe Monday and Tuesday next week too. You can catch me over there on Sirius XM channel 87. Thank you so much, guys. And we are out of here.